Hi, this is Guy Kawasaki. Hi, this is Gideon Shelwick here. My name is Farnoosh Brock. And you're listening to Learning with Leslie. Learning with Leslie. This is Learning with Leslie. 8888352414. This is Learning with Leslie. Welcome to another episode of Learning with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. No, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Samuel from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, I have another exciting interview for you today. I'm on the line with Kim Sorges, a single mother of four who after teaching eight years in the public school system, traded it all in for sippy cups and homeschool co-ops. She started her blog, Not Consumed, back in January of 2012 out of her own experience with abandonment, betrayal, and life growing up with a single mom, hopes to encourage and equip women to walk victoriously through the fire. One of the interesting things she has done is created a system where she sells many low-priced products and has turned that into a very successful business. So I thought we'd get around here to talk about how to make money selling low-priced products. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Kim, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. Awesome. I am doing very well. I am glad to have you on here. And we're going to talk about your story. We're going to get into what you're doing. We're going to listen to your dogs in the background. (laughs) 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 And we're going to just share some value about, you know, how you've gone about building what you've built. What are your dogs' names, by the way? Their names are Maggie and Macy. Maggie and Macy. So for everyone listening, Maggie and Macy are going to be joining us today. And we're going to have a good time. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So just as a little bit of disclaimer, you are one of my coaching clients. And we've been working together over the last few months. And I just thought that your story is fascinating and people will want to hear about it. But before we go into the story, I want to talk a little bit about where you are today let's talk about your blog first of all what is your blog about Um, my blog is about um, building victorious families together my goal is to help um, moms and families just um, rise above any kind of circumstance or struggle that they face and you started this back in 2012 it's now three years later maybe three and a half years later And where are things? Let's talk maybe traffic, whatever numbers you're comfortable with sharing. Um, I know you just did a recent launch, and maybe we can talk about how how things have gone um, with that launch and with your business right now. Sure. Um, Well, I um, generally get about 350 to 400,000 page views a month. Um, I have a little over 40,000 email subscribers. And, um, I guess the la- the most recent launch that we did, um, brought in about $16,000 in product sales for an overall 20, 
$1,000 in um, revenue for the month. Okay, so we're not talking about, you know, um, chump change here. We're talking, you know, we're talking about a solid income. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And, and okay, you say $16,000 in product. I want you to give us an idea of what you're charging for these products. So what was the what was the price of the product that you launched that month? Well, that exact um, product launch included um, three products, um, which are like variations on each other. Um, there is a junior version and a youth version, and each of those are eight dollars a piece. $8. And then they have the option to buy a combo pack for fourteen dollars. So eight dollars if they buy one. If they buy the combo pack, fourteen dollars. And this is—is is that kind of like a good uh, reflection, an accurate reflection about of your prices for all of your products? That's an accurate reflection of the um, launch price. Okay, the launch price. And what are the typical prices of your products? Then they go up to like $15 a piece. Okay, so, so we're, we're still not talking about, you know, $97 products, $197, $997 products. We're dealing with the under $20 range. That's right. And that launch did over sixteen grand for a total revenue that month of how much you said? 21,000. Okay, I just want everyone to let that sink in. And we're going to go back and paint a picture of how all of this came about. Um, you started the blog in 2012, is that correct? That's correct, in January of 2012. What were you doing at the time? This is before blog. What was life like? I was a stay-at-home mom, and I had gotten to the place where I knew I needed an income. And some person told me, hey, you should think about starting a blog, which I thought was the craziest thing ever, <laughs> particularly since at the time I could check my email and I wasn't even on Facebook, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> In 2012, I wasn't on Facebook. And, you know, just I just didn't have a whole lot of experience doing any of that kind of stuff. My, my troubleshooting method was reboot. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> wait, 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 That's all wait. I had. Don't move on from there. Okay. You're, you're not on Facebook. Um, you're not on, yeah, I mean, you do, you check email and you reboot your computer. Um, what, and I did read a few blogs. You, you, I did like to read blogs. Okay. So in your opinion, what was a blog? I mean, what, yeah. What was this thing that you were potentially going into? Well, basically I was going into this, this little diary kind of thing. That's okay. kind of what I saw of it. The blogs that I was reading were homeschooling blogs. They were moms kind of sharing their journey. Um, I think looking back now, some of those moms do make, did make a little bit of money. Um, but most of the people starting out in the homeschool niche, especially, you know, really just do it as an enjoyable thing. It's not even a business. So how, how are you thinking at this time? Are you thinking, okay, I'm going to start a blog and then sell $16,000 of product. Um, what are you thinking? Are you thinking this is going to be like my business? What are you thinking at the time? Well, I was thinking I needed to make money and I was desperate and I had just had a baby and I needed, you know, some way to bring in money. And so I thought I knew about AdSense. And so I kind of thought that was going to be the way. But the funny story is I got kicked off of AdSense like immediately. Uh. <laughs> and so it was like, uh-oh, <laughs> now I'm in big trouble. 
And if for a while I thought, okay, I'm doomed, actually. I'm just doomed because I can't get AdSense and I have no idea how I'm going to make money because AdSense is the way to make money, which is funny because now I think AdSense is not at all the way to make money. But <laughs> at the time, that's what I thought. And here I thought I'm doomed because, you know, well, if it I make, was kicked out. If it makes you feel better, I was also kicked off of AdSense within the first month. So you're, we're in good company here. See, um, I knew we had things in common. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's what we're going to celebrate. We got kicked off of AdSense. Okay, so you started this blog, and what was, is it basically what you're doing today in terms of the content you're, that you're creating, that you were creating back then? Oh, no, definitely not. Um, I did not have a clue what I was doing. If only <laughs> Learning with Leslie had been around back then, um, it would have been a totally different thing. But I just started writing, and um, <clears throat> I literally just wrote stuff, and my grandma read it, and you know my dogs—they're very faithful. <laughs> and you know, well, we I mean, tell. it was just—it was pretty bad at the beginning, uh-huh. you know. Um, but then one day, about six months in, so sometime in the summer, about I think it was in July, um, I wrote this post about creative consequences for your kids, and. I thought it was, I was on Pinterest. I loved Pinterest. I thought it was a great way to collect ideas. And I loved to, you know, collect magazines as a kid. So Pinterest was like immediately awesome to me. And so I was on Pinterest one day and I thought, I wonder if I pinned that post that I wrote, like, I think people would want to see it. You know, this was before people were pinning stuff like that to get blog traffic and stuff. And I was kind of just thought, you know, I think they'll want to read it. So I pinned it. And nothing really happened. I didn't really think anything was going to happen, actually. I just thought somebody might want to read it. That's yeah. all. And a few weeks later, I was at a conference, and my phone started blowing up because I had, at the time, I was getting blog comments directly to my email. And I was getting, like, comment after comment after comment after comment <laughs> after comment. Like, hundreds. And I was like, what happened? <laughs> what is going on? And I went back in, the, in that one day I had gotten 10,000 page views wow. on this one post from pinning it on Pinterest. And the funny thing was, I don't think I had gotten 10,000 page views in the whole first six months. <laughs> and so I was totally shocked. And of course, everything took off from there because I immediately had, you know, I didn't really think I was very business savvy when I started all of this, but uh-huh. I kind of learned that I did have a, some innate things in my mind. And one of them was, I'm like, oh, this works. I'm doing it again. <laughs> so I immediately started pinning other things and I started creating these pinnable images before that was a thing uh-huh. <laughs> and pinning stuff. And that's kind of how it took off and exploded. And within, by the next month, you know, I got to 100,000 page views and I stayed there and I've never gone below. Wow. Okay. So you, you you said when you started, you didn't even know really what you were talk, doing. You're just writing about stuff. Your grandma was reading it and your dogs somehow were reading it too. Um, <laughs> did the content change, the type of content that you created? Um, well, obviously it changed, but how did it change and how did it evolve? Well, over time, I've gotten very specific. I learned that originally, um, to use your phrasing, I cast my net way too wide. I was just trying to talk to anybody who would read. Yeah. And over time, I learned, you know, I can't be everything to everybody. And I have a very specific person I want to talk to. And so over time, that, you know, target person um, just kind of became the person I was talking to. It was a very slow progression for me. 
Now, are you the kind of person, you know, there's so many things that I'm passionate about that I feel like I can write like a bunch of different blogs and a bunch of different topics and uh, almost to try to constrain myself within one topic is like you're holding me down. Um, what kind of person are you where that's concerned? I'm absolutely the same way. It's very hard. As you know, from working with me every day, I come up with a new idea for a product that I want to do. And it's very hard to, you know, try to just, you know, stay a little focused and not run, run with all these new ideas. So so then how do you do it then? How do you, how do you not run with all these ideas and just stay focused on just one topic? Um, well, again, I have learned that, um, like looking at my products that I do sell when I kind of go off of the side and write about something slightly different, it doesn't sell. And like, I have a product, which is a great thing. It, it, I'll give you the exact example. It's a, it's a book about single mom homeschooling. I am a single mom and I homeschool. It's a huge need. I know it is. I've got a thousand or more friends in a private group that homeschool as single moms, but it's really not what my niche is. It's really not what I specifically write about on my blog. And so I've had a very hard time selling it. Gotcha. It just doesn't meet, you know. And so basically I haven't made, literally on that product, I haven't made what I put into it yet still. Wow. And it's been out since January. Okay, so Pinterest is what you were using in the beginning. Is that kind of what it's been? Have you been using other methods for for getting um, traffic to your blog or is it just Pinterest? Um, Well, I do use Facebook too. Um. When, however, I, my, I was never, you know, when Facebook had its first big change and everybody, you know, panicked, um, I was never, I wasn't very good at Facebook, but at that point already, I had already been relying on Pinterest. Um, so I didn't really hurt, get hurt from that, um, episode. Um, but I did, um, I have been steadily growing Facebook. It's not great, but it's. It's not dismal either, but definitely Pinterest is the primary. Okay, so Pinterest is the main source of traffic. So since that's the case, let's talk a little bit about what you're, do- what you're doing on Pinterest because I know you have your Pinterest strategy pretty fine-tuned. So what does that look like right now? Okay, so my Pinterest strategy is basically I have an assistant who pins um, three times a day. Um, she pins – what she pins is my – old content. So anything that's not brand new and she pins about 10 to 15 pins at a time. She does that live on Pinterest in the morning, somewhere between, you know, before breakfast ish. Um, and she does it live in the evenings. And then because she's, um, overseas, she schedules through tailwind for lunchtime, which is kind of in the middle of the night for her. Um, so that's her three times a day. Um, so live in the morning, live in the evening, and then um, she schedules in the middle of the day. And then I jump on as well, and I do um, anything that's brand new, like my newer content, um, so I can kind of see how it's going and kind of pin it where I think it will do best at the beginning and stuff like that. And I kind of follow the same schedule. I do try to jump on three times a day and just do a quick pin. We have a huge spreadsheet. We have all of our our boards listed so I know where I've already pinned to and where I haven't. I try to mix it up so that every every time I'm on pinning, I'm pinning 
um, some to my own boards and then some to everybody else, the group boards as well. And then I also try to follow new people and comment on things and just kind of be active a couple of times, you know, at least twice a day um, during that time. So that's kind of our strategy in a nutshell. Okay, so you're using, you said you're using the Tailwind app. Um, and just for anyone that's unclear about what that is, it's an app that allows you to schedule your pins and you can schedule a certain number of pins every day so that you don't have to be there actually pinning it at the time that it's being pinned. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So when you started um, and you know you got these 10,000 people coming in one day, did you have a big following on Pinterest? Or was that the case and they just started to get excited about it? Or you didn't have a following, but the content was what people resonated with? I didn't have a following. It was, I don't even know what it was. <laughs> pathetic it was it was I hadn't been trying to grow it at all you know of course and it was just you know I can't even tell you how many people it was because I wasn't paying attention but it was small I would say less than a couple hundred people and where are you now I think I have like 35 ish 35,000 um Pinterest followers and that's like that and that's what you've built over the last three years or so Yes. I, you know, followers are great. It's actually, it's 29,000. Um, I'm terrible with numbers, so I had to double check. So I wasn't dishonest. (laughs) Um, I, uh, you know, followers are great, but you know, the, the beauty of Pinterest is your reach is exponential. And, and, and the key there is you said you, you made sure you had pinnable images. What do you mean by pinnable images? Um, well, the things that I look for, you know, today in a pinnable image would be um, first that it's horizontal in shape, kind of like that four by six or five by seven shape and not a square or a rectangle shape because those don't have, you know, the landscape that you would want to see on Pinterest. So that's the first important thing. Um, I want it to be visually appealing, like not too dark. Um, attractive. I try to avoid faces as much as possible, but sometimes a face shot ends up being cute too. Um, and then you want it to say something that will grab, you know, their attention and say, here, click here. Um, sometimes it is the title of the post because I've worked hard on trying to get a title that will also make them click. Uh-huh. But sometimes I don't think the title of the post will actually make them click on Pinterest. It's not, it doesn't always, um, you know, uh, convert to the other one. So gotcha. sometimes it's part of the title or something like that. Now, just to make sure I'm clear, because you, you said horizontal. Do you mean vertical? Because I'm looking on your site right now. Vertical, yes. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> just making sure, because I know that a number, of, uh, a number of people that are into Pinterest have told me that they want it to be vertical, vertical because it, yes. it, it takes up more real estate on the screen yes. when you watch it on Pinterest and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm looking at one, for example, on your site, and it says three things to teach kids about quiet time. Um, and basically, you have a picture of a child that's reading the Bible, mm-hmm. um, and you have three things to teach kids about quiet time, and that takes up maybe about half of the vertical space, and it's over to the left, so it doesn't go over the child's head. Um, but it looks nice. It's visually appealing. It's very simple in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you using to create these images? I know this isn't a, a Pinterest episode, but I'm, I'm, I just want to talk a little bit about this because it's been very effective for you. 
Sure. Um, well, initially I started on PickMonkey, um, which is free, and but you, it's well worth the paid version because then you can add in kind of whatever you want. Uh-huh. Um, and I did them myself. As time went on, I hired an assistant, and that's one of her primary jobs. So she does a lot of that now, but it is not necessarily because – I mean, anybody can do it. It really is pretty simple to just put it in there. Really, all you have to do is crop the image off and stick some text on there. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. So that's how you kind of built your your traffic and people started reaching to your blog. And once they come to your blog, what do you do with them? I mean, obviously, you have great content on there that they find valuable. Um, are you building an email list? And, and how are you doing that? What? what What's the what's your main objective when people come to your blog? Um, well, my main objective when people come to my blog is to make them feel like um, the the answer to their struggle is right here on the page. Okay. Um, I want them to suddenly realize if they haven't already that they're not alone in the things that are hard for them in their life, and then of course the immediate response would be to say, I want to be a part of this and click and subscribe. And when they do subscribe, um, my initial email sequence is very strong. Um, I actually in the first three emails asked them specific questions and asked them to answer them. One of them is literally tell me about your family and your kids and I read them and respond to every single one of them. So I'm trying to really build a strong relationship um, with them. And that's generally the feedback I get for why people stay on my list. So it's kind of working to just build that really strong community. Okay, stop, stop. We got we to gotta pause. We got to hit the pause button. And we got to rewind a little bit. Okay. Y- you said at the beginning of this episode the beginning of this interview that your email list is did you say 40,000 subscribers yes okay so you get a decent number no no you get a lot of people signing up to your email list you're asking them questions um open-ended questions and you ask them to reply and give you answers i do does do you get a lot of responses um Percentage-wise, no, I don't. Okay. And, um, I would say about a third of the question, the responses I get, will they'll answer with something like, "I can't believe that you'll actually read this." <laughs> so a lot of people really don't believe I'm going to do it, um, which is kind of sad when you think about it, because I've given them, I've told them, I will respond to this, and I want to know about you personally, and then they usually think, "No, there's no way." <laughs> So a lot of people won't respond because I believe they think I'm not going to or they don't want to share or whatever, which is fine, too. But a lot yeah. do. And and how, does it take you a significant amount of time every day to respond to these emails? Um, I devote 30 minutes a day to email. OK. And it usually doesn't go over that. Um, but that's only I do. My assistant does all the customer service emails. I do all the emails where people have actually talked to me and want to have a conversation with me. Got it. So you really engage them even via email. Even though you have these automated messages going out, you want them to feel that there's a real person and you want to connect with them that way. Yes. I really like that. I'm, I, might, I might, I'm not sure yet, 
but I might steal your idea <laughs> if it's okay with you. That's fine. You know, I didn't. I probably stole it from someone else. <laughs> so. Okay, good. We'll all we'll all be stealing from each other. Okay, now let's move on then to the making money part. Um, what made you decide to go in the direction of creating these digital? Pr- well, actually, yeah, yeah. Let's go there first. What made you decide to go in the, that direction? Well, um, basically, I created a product that I thought of that I wanted for my kids. And that product was prayer cards was the very first product I ever came up with. And I didn't create it because I was thinking, oh, I want to make money. I created it, you know, because I wanted to use it in my homeschool. And then suddenly I thought, oh, I could sell this. And (laughs) so I did. I started selling it. And but then you stick it up there and it's on PayPal and you're getting $4 is what I sold it for three ninety nine. You know, you're getting those little notifications every now and then. So I didn't really think it was making money that much. (laughs) And so I kind of, I almost quit blogging actually, um, in October of 2013. And, um, because I just thought I can't do this. I can't do it. I'm not making any money. I can't, I don't have AdSense. I'm trying the affiliate thing and sometimes it comes through and sometimes it really doesn't. And my niche is not a big spending niche. Homeschool moms are um, always, almost always, you know, on one income, whether they're single, usually they're not, but you know, they're usually their husband is working and they're at home and there's, there's one income. So things are tight. And so people often don't even charge for things at all in this niche or they, they're just not big spenders. And so I thought I can't make it, you know, I'm just, this is not going to happen. Yeah, And, and I, then, go ahead. and then, so then one day I decided to actually do the numbers, the bookkeeping numbers, cause I'm terrible about that. <laughs> and I realized that I was making $500 a month on this product that I hadn't touched in almost a year. And I thought, Oh, <laughs> Oh, (laughs) and so basically from that moment on, I realized, you know, if I wanted to make any money, I, what, because I need to provide for my kids, you know, this is how we eat, Uh, you know, I knew that I needed to have income that was solid and somewhat consistent and not relying on Google's mood swings and not relying (laughs) on, um, AdSense, which, you know, I now do have ads through, you know, another company, but, um, things like that, you know, I, I knew that wasn't going to be enough that not that it wasn't going to be enough, but it wasn't going to be consistent enough and I wasn't going to have enough control. So, you know, now my traffic has actually decreased since it was where, from where it was last year, but my revenue is through the roof in comparison. And it's simply because, I rely on my products as my income nice. and I'm in control. Nice. I love, I love it. I love that you put in the Google mood swings in there. You just <laughs> got me like there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about how you go about creating these products because the first one was prayer cards, but it's kind of evolved from there and you have a number of different types of products. So can you kind of give us an idea of what these products are that you're creating Um, my, right now, the primary thing that I have been creating is Bible studies for kids. And, um, that's been my bestseller and seems to be the most frequent idea that comes into my head as the next thing to write about. Um, so, 
those, um, basically how those work are, I keep, first of all, I keep in Evernote a long list of ideas of things that I want to write on. And then when I start to get even better, like let's say, for example, my most recent study was about developing a quiet time. And so I would have that on a list. And then eventually I would start to get ideas. Like I might think of, oh, well, we need to talk about this topic or that topic or whatever. And so then I would pull it out, make it its own Evernote um, note, you know, and then just kind of keep notes. And so I just sort of go through that for a while. And then until such time that I decide I'm actually going to really develop this product. Then when I start developing the product, I actually do it in Google Docs and I just write the stuff like straight out, plain up, (laughs) really boring. Day one, here's what we're going to learn. And day two, here's what we're going to learn. And that's all I do now. So, so. Are, are these basically ebooks that you're creating that you're packaging and you're, um, these are Bible studies for kids? Well, they're actually more workbook okay. style. They are, they are digital. Um, I do sell them in paperback too, but they're primarily digital um, product. Um, but they can write in them so they're not Kindle version or anything. Gotcha. So they can basically print it out and write in them because they're workbooks and they can, uh, I'm assuming they're using the Bible along with this and they're, you know, looking for passages and filling things in and so on. That's right. Okay, cool. So um, you you have this list of ideas. Where are these ideas coming from? Are they just, you sit down one day and say, okay, I'm going to come up with a list of 50 ideas and you just write them out or is it that? Yeah, but I'm not even going to try to bias the answer. What, where do the ideas come from? Uh, the ideas come from two places. One, they're completely inspired by God. Okay. And two, they're completely inspired by living my life. <laughs> so I have four children, and I, you know, my most popular Bible study by, by far right now is about working on your sibling relationship. I have four children. All we do all day long is work on the sibling relationship. So, you know, it came out of a natural need in my own life, um, which I think is partially why I've been so successful in my niche, because I made my niche all about me, (laughs) which which sounds really bad, but it's not, I promise. You know, I just, I really relate to me and what my life is and what I'm going through. And so then my products are easy for me to sell because I understand it very well. Oh, I like that. So you're your target market. I am. And because of that, you understand what you're struggling with. And if you're struggling with that, most likely somebody else is struggling with the same thing. Absolutely. Okay, so you you decide to create these um, products. You have a list of different product ideas in your Evernote. When you decide, okay, I'm going to flesh this one out, you make a separate Evernote file for that, and then you kind of start to to hash out the details. That's right. Okay, where do we go from that? Now we have this this, uh, in Google Docs. We have this document that has a bunch of text, and uh, then what? At this point, it goes to my assistant. Okay. And she takes the text and she literally does copy and paste. So I am not expecting her to write anything. Um, she copies and pastes the text into a um, some kind of design. That uh, Generally, when I start really hashing it out, I will start her on thinking about what the design might look like. 
Um, so she's kind of already thinking along those lines. And um, so then she, she drops them into pages and kind of formats it from there. I do believe she uses Photoshop as her primary um, tool for that. So, she, then, so she designs the, the workbook in Photoshop is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Continue. And then she sends it back to me, and we the first thing we do is look at all of the formatting, and you know I'll send her back things that say, okay, this part has to go on the same page, or you know this is too big, or you know whatever um, visually I want to change about it, and then she'll make those changes, and then from there we send it to the editor. And my editor will then make sure she, my editor not only checks all of that it makes sense and that there's no errors, um, but, you know, grammatical and stuff. She also actually checks all the Bible passages to make sure they're correct. Um, That way we're not sending kids to the wrong place. Um, Invariably, we always get one wrong, though. It's so hard, but (laughs) we try really hard not to. So, and, so what's the reason for sending it to the editor after it's been designed um, as opposed to getting it edited first and then coming up with the design? Um, well, primarily, you know, I would have to send it to the editor twice if I did it after the design because things get chopped and moved around and, and you know, whatever gotcha. when she's formatting it. So I would want to make sure everything was still perfect. So either way, she's going to look at it afterwards. Got it. So I've, I've actually never thought about having her do it when it was just in text form. Okay. So, so she's, she's now finished editing it. And then what? Um, then we start working on um, all of the content that we are going to provide with it and the launch details. Okay, actually, before we, mo- before we even move on to that, when your designer is putting together this um, workbook, you said you're giving her an idea in terms of how you want it to look. What types of things are you telling her to do? What, what desi- are you gi- giving her specific design elements that you want to see? Are you just talking about format? What do you... Like what? Yeah, what are you doing? How can I make my stuff look awesome like yours? <laughs> um, well, I, I'll say we're a really great team. Um, it's a little bit of both. Um, I, I'm not afraid to tell her this is ugly, and um, she loves to hear that. <laughs> and so I love that. You know, I, I need somebody that I can just not have to be gentle with and yeah. be like, well, maybe if you did this, you know, I just don't want to have to do that. I'm like, okay, this is bad. Just scrap the whole thing. Let's start over. <laughs> you know? Um, so she, I trained her from the ground up. She didn't come with me when I first started working with her, she was going to do customer service emails and stuff like that. <laughs> and so I did not think she was going to do any kind of design. And then as time went on, I just kind of started training her, you know, to take over little things and this little thing. And before, long I'm like well try this and she just so she has a little bit of knack herself you know she has a little bit of a I guess um just natural you know some people just have an eye for yeah just seeing things and I and I think she definitely has that but a lot of it has been me very specifically training her like if you saw the first pins that she made you would not believe it's the same person (laughs) who made the pins that you see up on my 
you know, Pinterest board today, totally different. So she's grown a lot. And a lot of that is coaching, you know, and I will specifically say, okay, that's the wrong orientation, or I can't read it, or I don't want to see the kid's face or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, feedback I can come up with. Sometimes I'll draw her to answer your question a little more specifically. I draw things out, which I'm a terrible artist, (laughs) but I draw it anyway, because I have an idea, if I have an idea in my head, the best thing for me to do is draw it out for her so she can see my idea at least a little bit or else we're going to go back and forth and I'm never going to be able to convey my idea to her. And so that's the best thing to do. And I'll draw it and I'll take a picture. And then other times I'll do like a screencast and I'll go through and show her like, I like, you know, I'll go to like, I'll pin some stuff on a board and say, I like this about this. And I like this about this. And I like this about this. Can you mix all those together and make something fun? (laughs) And so that's kind of how, how we, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll communicate, you know, that way. That's how, how long has she been with you? A little over a year now. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Because it's actually kind of similar to my situation because I have an assistant that I brought on to deal with, you know, email and formatting blog posts and all that kind of stuff. And it's evolved into the same thing where she, you know, designs my infographics and my pinnable images and um, any uh, ebooks and so on that I'm working mm-hmm. on right now. She's doing that. So it's kind of very similar to the type of situation. And what I found is because she's kind of grown along with me, she got much better at at. Well, I was going to say, you know, creating the style that I like, but quite frankly, creating a style better than I can even describe now. Right. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see how that evolves. Okay, so we, we have our ebook designed, uh, mm-hmm. our workbook designed, and you said after that you're creating resources to go along with that. What resources are you creating? Um, well, we do, um, when, when we do the launch, our sequence is that we, we do, um, some content on the blog that week, um, generally two to three posts and, um, kind of the format that I use since I'm writing for, I'm writing these Bible studies for children. So I'm writing the content on my blog for parents. So in the case of the sibling Bible study, I gave them tips for managing sibling rivalry and working on that relationship um, beyond just the study, because the study is really going to be for their kids. Um, So I kind of worked with the parents on how we're going to do this, because it's a kind of, it's a twofold thing. It's going to be both parts. So I'm giving them this valuable content in addition to telling them at the bottom of the post later this week, I'm going to release this great resource for your child too. That's very interesting because it's almost as if you have like two target audiences, right? That, well, the audience that you're, you're catering to on your blog is the parents, but the product is actually for the child. So, you know, knowing that we know that the child isn't going to make the buying decision, right? right. Um, so it makes much more sense to target the parent. Yes. Awesome. Okay, so I know we've you, you've gone through some changes because we've been working together over the last. Uh, when did we start working together? Um, the beginning of the year, I think. Okay, so the beginning of the year, and we you've made some changes in the way that you promote your products, which made um, the the launch that you did in March much more successful than launches that you have had done previously. What are those changes that you made? Um, well, the, 
what, <laughs> there were huge changes. What I was doing before was I would write a blog post and put the product out there and that was it. <laughs> Hello world. <laughs> By myself. <laughs> I, I just like, didn't, I didn't really, I don't think I really even knew what to do anyway, but you know, I would just put it out there and, and the product, the first product that I did have, have a lot of success with still did pretty well. Yeah. Um, with that, um, it just could have done so much better if I had, you know, done any, something intentionally, um, you know, with it. So now we, um, we do, like I mentioned, we write, um, a couple content posts. Um, I focus for me, I focus on my email list, um, because my email list is very active and I do really try to keep them engaged. Um, I will, write them. I think I wrote three total emails through the sequence of the launch, mm-hmm. which went from Thursday to Monday night. And and what are you doing in these emails? Um, the very first email, I provide the content that I wrote on my blog. So I tell them, you know, here, here are the two things. Well, first I tell a story um, about basically about why I wrote this, you know, when I did the, the sibling one, I kind of told story about, you know, siblings fighting and stuff like that. Um, and, and the, you know, the, when I decided to write this study, kind of why I wrote it really. Um, and then I did, um, the, um, the two, like kind of underneath that, I then sent images and a little blurb about the different posts that I had written on that topic, which I think was two for that one. And then at the bottom, I showed the product and said, here's where you can go buy it. So it was, I, I did directly say to buy it, but it wasn't as strong as just an email that said, here's a product that I want you to buy. Okay, so so the, in terms of the content pieces, uh, and the dog is getting very excited, but in yeah, terms of the content closer. pieces, <laughs> you have, no, it's fine, it's fine. Um, you have your, your post on the blog, but you also have a story that you're telling in the email in terms of why you decided to write the post, and then you're inviting them to check out the blog post, and by the way, here's the product that I created that's right along the lines of this, this content, this, pro, um, this content that we're talking about. Right. And remember, it's only on sale until Monday. <laughs> oh, so there is an element of scarcity uh, in there. Yes. Um, because the sale price was $8. Uh-huh. And after that time, it goes up to, what was that price again? I think originally it went up to 12 Okay. We've raised the price since then. Gotcha. Now, there's another thing that we did in addition to, you know, putting this email sequence we actually raised all your prices across the board, right? That's correct. Because the prices were approximately what? Oh, some of them were like still about 4 or $5 when I first started with you. Awesome. And, and increasing the price, how did that affect the sales? Um, with increasing the prices, I have found that people find it more valuable. And so it's actually increased my sales significantly. That's the beautiful thing. I know it sounds funny, <laughs> but it does. It really works that way. Now they're like, oh, well, what is this? I need to know more about this. When it was $4, they're like, meh, whatever. <laughs> you know, they just, I don't think they needed, to, they didn't feel like, oh, it, might, it must be valuable to, to me if it's $4. Gotcha. And that price will be different from niche to niche. Your niche might be 4 Somebody else's niche might be 24 or something of that sort. But it's all, you know, we tested 
And I think we, we tested at one point, we brought it up to a certain point, and the sales actually went down. So you have to kind of figure out what works for you. There's one more thing that I would say that I think has been key to the success of selling multiple products or small products um, is the fact that I'm selling multiple products. I find often people will come to my blog and not just buy one 10 or $12 item, but they'll buy two or three or sometimes four. And so I'm not just getting the one sale. Now I actually am getting that higher price point in there. So, so it's not that you're charging a lot for each, but you have multiple products. So somebody might end up spending $50, $60 on one purchase. That's right. Makes a lot of sense. Now, we've been going for a while and we're coming up on 45 minutes, but I got to ask you one more question before we wrap this up. You're, you're, you're a single mom. You have four kids. I assume, just from my limited knowledge of having one child, that four kids is significantly more work than one. My question is this. How do you get it all done? How do you, how do you balance it all to the point where you're able to still build your business while still you know, homeschooling and doing all of that good stuff? <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you, um, the, the first thing I'll say is you have one small child. I actually have no small children anymore. Ah. Um, and that really does make a difference, believe it or not. Um, as they get older, they are needy in a different way. Um, they're not nearly as needy in a, you must sit here. So I don't drink a bottle of bleach way. Um, (laughs) it's more like, you know, I'm having an emotional breakdown kind of way. It's just, it's a different, it's just different as they get a little bit older. Um, you know, that being said, my youngest is almost five. So I'm not talking about, you know, my kids are not in their late teens or anything. Um, so for me, I mean, I do have childcare twice a week in the afternoons, um, for my boys, my young boys, my girls, um, generally are on their own. Um, but I, the main reason way that I get it all done is I get up really early. I work a couple hours in the morning before they wake up and then I close it up and do the homeschooling part and then work again in the afternoon. So I keep them on a relatively tight schedule so that my schedule can be pretty tight. And then of course, bringing my assistant on was a huge help to me. Um, the minute I could afford to possibly pay her, I did. And that was probably the best decision, business decision I ever made. Awesome. Um, Kim, so much value today. If people want to find out more about you and what you're doing, where can they check you out? Notconsumed.com. Notconsumed.com. Of course, we will have links to that in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you, Kim, for joining me. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Not a problem. So for everyone listening listening here, if you want to check out what Kim is doing, head on over to notconsumed.com. And I hope that this inspires you to create your own product, whether it's a low-priced product, a high-priced product, or whatever the case might be, to take your business seriously and to start creating value and putting it out there for the world. Um, This was episode 222. If you found value in it, come on over to becomeablogger.com slash 222 and uh, leave a comment. Let us know what you thought. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast for some strange reason, you know, you slipped and fell and never got back up to, you know, press that subscribe button, I want to invite you to subscribe. You can go to becomeablogger.com slash podcast to find out more. And if you want to 
take my free course so that you can start your blog and create content, inspire others, and change the world while building an online business so that you're not affected when Google has a mood swing, <laughs> head on over to freebloggingvideos.com. That's freebloggingvideos.com. This is Leslie Samuel here from becomeablogger.com, changing the world one blog at a time. And until next time, take care and God bless. 888-835-2414.